today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. In your walk in Christ, in your commitment to Christ, in your desire to go deeper in your love for the Lord, in your knowledge for the Lord, in your commitment to the Lord, Satan will not let it go without a fight. And some of you are going through trials and tribulations and struggles right now that you wonder, well, Lord, why is all of this coming upon us at this time? I want to offer you the suggestion that perhaps it's because Number one, you might be desiring in your life to go deeper in the things of the Lord. And because of that, the enemy's going to do everything he can to distract or to detour you in that desire to follow in the Lord. The Holy Spirit was moving mightily as the message of the gospel was beginning to go out. Yet, as Pastor David will explain today, the enemy wouldn't let go without a fight. He brought persecution and distractions to derail the spread of the gospel. He can do this in your life today. The more of a threat you are to Him, the harder He will fight against you. Yet you must remember ultimately, He is a defeated foe. He can't ever destroy the work of Christ. God's plan will prevail. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 5. In his message, the message continues and grows. you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, turn over to chapter 5, that's where we're going to be. One of the things that we've looked at in this study in the book of Acts is this continual power of the Holy Spirit that's moving and working in the hearts and the lives of these believers. When the church was born, they began to, again, grow, and there was this continual, this consistent, this spiritual nourishment that was coming upon them. That's part of what, again, Acts 2.42 is all about, continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, breaking of bread, and in the prayers. But as the church continued to grow, we know that, again, persecution continued to come against them. When Peter and John that day, in a bold step of faith, reached out and touched that lame man, when he received his healing, again, the excitement of the people around them gave the opportunity for Peter now the second time to proclaim the gospel. On the day of Pentecost, the the 3,000 that were saved, and then now on this day, after this healing of the lame man, more literally thousands came into the kingdom of God. And you know what? That caused great fear, great trepidation within the leadership of Judaism because we saw that they no longer had control, that there was something happening here in the spiritual realm that they had no control over, they had no hand in at all. And so this persecution came and it gave 
Peter and John the opportunity, as we've looked in weeks past, to be able to stand before the religious power brokers of all of Israel and to be able to proclaim to them right before them the truth of the gospel. And Peter ended up his message by declaring that there is salvation is not found in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. But they did not receive that message. They threatened them and said, you cannot continue to speak in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to stop that totally. And yet Peter came back to them and says, rather it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Oh, that the body of Christ had that kind of spirit, that kind of drive, that kind of passion as a whole. Oh, I know that there are individuals, but you know what? As the body of Christ is willing to stand against every attack of the enemy and to continue to move forward with the hope of the gospel and with the proclamation of the gospel, beloved, we will see change and we will see also continued persecution. Anytime that the Spirit of God is moving, the enemy is right behind trying to do everything that he can to distract, to destroy, to cause a detour to come into people's lives in order to shut down the message of the hope of the gospel. Now, when these guys were threatened, they went back to the group and they began to pray, but their prayer was not, Lord, remove all persecution from them. I love what the prayer, and that's found in Acts chapter four, that they prayed that they might have more boldness in order to continue to speak. And the word says that from there, they continued on. They were filled with the spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Guys, that's an amazing answer to prayer that you and I would be able to pray that kind of prayer. Lord, give me the boldness. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to be able to speak the truth, and the hope of the gospel. Rather that be to someone at a restaurant, rather that be someone at the cubicle next to me at work or the neighbor down the street or that family member. Give me the boldness, Father. Fill me with your spirit in order that I might speak the truth, speak out the reality of the hope that's within me. And beloved, we see that going on. They would not be silenced by the threats of men because they were empowered, they were strengthened, they were moved, not by the work or the words of some man, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We could look through all of what we've gone through here in the earlier portions of Acts, and we see, again, them reaching out with the hope of the gospel and the continued persecution that was coming upon them. With that powerful work of the Holy Spirit and the enemy of our souls hard at work coming against it. We find early on in the life of the church that there were actually some within the church that bought into the lies of the enemy, Ananias and Sapphira. They had bought into the lies of the enemy, the lie that they could walk in deceit in order to gain glory that they could live a lie in order to gain the applause of man, and yet God would not have it. And so for that husband and that wife, Ananias and Sapphira, because they had connived this thing together in their lives, the word tells us that both of them at two separate times 
fell down, breathed their last, and the word says, so great fear came upon all those who heard these things. When the Spirit of God is moving, some get excited and some get fearful. But I tell you what, right now I can guarantee you, if the Spirit of God says, because you've lied, boom, you're dead this morning, and you fall over dead, do you think that might get somebody's attention? I think it would. What we have to remember here, our foe, the one that is trying to deceive, trying to distract, trying to detour us, trying to pull us away from the truth, he is a defeated foe. What Satan tried to destroy with persecution from the outside and deceit from the inside, God continued to strengthen, continued to purify, and that's where we find ourselves now in Acts chapter 5, and we're going to begin down in verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and yet none of the rest dared join them but the people esteemed them highly. At this point in time, we remember that the church is only a sect, a portion of Judaism. There were Jews that came to know the truth of their Messiah, so they stayed connected with the temple, and they stayed connected with Judaism as best they could. Solomon's porch is located on the south end of the whole temple compound. It's a covered porch. It's a very huge, huge area, and they used to meet under there as believing Jews. And the word says that some, man, none of the rest dared join them, but they esteemed them highly. These other Jews, they were afraid again of persecution coming on them. I, I, I listen and I look at what's going on over here with this group. I don't know if I can join that or not, because I know that if I join them, I'm going to get persecuted either from family, from friends, or from the religious rulers. And so again, they, they stood back in the background. Then God began doing things, again, reminiscent of the prophets of the Old Testament and of the ministry of Jesus. Verse 14 tells us that the believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And then verse 15, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Now that's an amazing thing. A, a special work of the Spirit of God. A special time in the life of the history of the church. That again, the Spirit of God was moving such a powerful way that people were trusting in what God was doing, that literally they were laying the people on couches and as the shadow of Peter came by, people were being healed. Look what it says, verse 16, and it continues. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Guys, there's a lot to say about these supernatural, these miraculous events that were going on here in the early church. We continue to see this happening over and over again. What I want to focus on, that here in the midst of all of the wonders, all of the signs, here in the midst of all of these believers coming to Christ, Satan would not let it go without a fight. I want to let you know this morning, in your walk in Christ, 
and your commitment to Christ and your desire to go deeper in your love for the Lord, in your knowledge for the Lord, in your commitment to the Lord, Satan will not let it go without a fight. And some of you are going through trials and tribulations and struggles right now that you wonder, well, Lord, why is all of this coming upon us at this time? I want to offer you the suggestion that perhaps it's because, number one, you might be desiring in your life to go deeper in the things of the Lord. And because of that, the enemy's going to do everything he can to distract or to detour you in that desire to follow in the Lord. Satan will not let it go without a fight. So once again, we see here in the book of Acts in chapter five, these religious leaders coming in, they step in, they're trying to halt the work of God. The words of Jesus, though, I see, man, they continue to ring true about these religious rulers. You gotta understand, this is only months at the best beyond the time of Jesus' ministry prior to his crucifixion and his resurrection. And it was Jesus speaking to these same religious rulers, telling them, you know what, your father is the devil and you're doing the things that your father is telling you to do. He spoke to them, just the blatant reality that you're continuing, not in, the, not in the direction of God, the heavenly father, but literally your father, the devil. And these same men now, they're rising up against what's going on. And my goodness, there is so much going on. Thousands of people coming to the Lord Every day, different individuals coming. The church is growing like crazy, like wildfire. There are signs, there's wonders, there's miracles. And rather than looking at that as the religious rulers of all of Israel and saying, wow, God is on the move. No, that's not where they're at. Look at verse 17. Then the high priest rose up and all of those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled indignation and they laid their hands on the apostles and they put them in the common prison. Guys, there's so much that's going on here, so much in these following passages. It's powerful. It is the work of God working in the lives of his church. But before we get too far into the passage, let me share with you something that I feel that the Lord has, has shared with me as I've studied this passage over these last several weeks. Look at what it says about the response of these religious rulers. And they are responding once again to the fact, number one, that multitudes of people were coming to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. They were responding to the reality that individual people's spiritual lives were being ignited, man, they were on fire. They were responding to multitudes of people that were being healed, multitudes of people that were being delivered from demonic spirits. And what was the response of these spiritual leaders of all of Israel? Luke tells us, they were filled with indignation. They were filled with indignation. That word indignation is the Greek word zealos. It's where we get our word zealous from. It has that definition, zeal or eagle, e eager rivalry, jealousy, and even malice, all of that packed together. Albert Barnes tells us that they, the Sadducees, 
were envious at the success of the apostles. They were envious of the number of converts that were being made toward a doctrine that they hated. They were envious that even the Pharisees, this other sect of Judaism, the the teaching of the resurrection was continuing on and the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. Everything that was going on, these religious rulers were coming against. Guys, we can look at this event, we can say in our hearts how blind, how absolutely ignorant these religious rulers of Israel are at that point. But I want to tell you this morning, any individual of any age, of any status of life, of any culture, can be just as blind and just as ignorant. Ignorance isn't a bad word, it's just the reality. Some people are ignorant of certain things. I'm ignorant of brain surgery. You don't want me to do your brain surgery for you. But they were ignorant of what was going on in the spirit. They were ignorant of how God was truly moving. And beloved, any man, any age, any status of life from any culture can be just as blind and just as ignorant to the move and to the hand of God. Because beloved, any hatred that we hold blinds us from the truth. Any jealousy that we maintain blinds us from the truth. Prejudice of any sort blinds us from the truth. As a matter of fact, anything within our lives that is not of God literally blinds us from the truth because sin blinds us from the truth of what God is doing. And these men, they've been blind for a long time. Their blindness had long become their norm and they had absolutely no desire to see. They were comfortable in their spiritual ignorance and they wanted to stay there. They were fearful that a change of status quo would shake up their lives. They were fearful that the change of status quo would remove their power, their authority over people's lives. And they were seeing this happen right before their very eyes as people were leaving the structure and the legalism of Judaism and beginning to walk in the grace and the mercy of Christ. Remember, these these religious rulers were the ones that Jesus called your blind guides. You're straining at gnats, and yet you're swallowing camels. You're a bunch of hypocrites, he said. You've cleaned up the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Man, what a wretched place that is. Aren't you glad it was only back in the first century, that people were like that. Aren't you glad that that kind of attitude doesn't come in to the church? The sad reality is it does. All too often, even within the confines of the church, we seem to clean up on the outside, but yet on the inside, there's still death. Because we've never surrendered our life to Jesus Christ. We've never truly committed our life to Christ. We've gotten really religious. 
We've learned all the Christianese. We can come in and we can converse with each other with great ease and we speak of those words of redemption and and salvation and, and mercy and grace and yet we've never been partakers of it. And so we become, just as Jesus said, you're, you cleaned up the outside, but on the inside, full of extortion, self-indulgence. And in another passage, he says, you, you, you're like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you look great, but on the inside, you're filled with dead men's bones. How about you this morning? Where are you at in your particular commitment to Jesus Christ? Have you tried to commit on the outside, but yet you know that on the inside there never was truly that fulfillment of the commitment? You see, their indignation was the fact that what the gospel was doing in the lives of these people was something that the law, the rituals, and the ceremonies could never do. You see, grace and mercy that's offered by God through Christ is what changes men and women from the inside out, not by the keeping of law and ritual, because, beloved, keeping of law and ritual cleans the outside and makes us look to the world as though we're spiritual and that we're holy and that we're right with God. But if the inside has never changed, then we're in a horrible position. You see, it's the gospel that brings life, but the law brings death. Warren Wiersbe reminds us it was an age-old conflict between living truth and dead tradition. But though Satan wouldn't let go of the fight, God wasn't finished either. But we're going to read further on in this text how they put them in prison and yet God supernaturally released them. You see, God has a plan and he has a purpose and he's not going to let his message of the gospel of grace and mercy be stopped, be thrown off track, be shut down in any way. He continues to speak it and he wants to speak it through those who know it and that's you and I that we might be the proclaimers of the reality of that truth. The reality is, is unless you and I really and truly know and we are walking in that truth, how can we be proclaimers of that truth if it's not real in our lives? Guys, the power of the Spirit of God working within the lives of these believers and the lives of the disciples and the lives of the apostles could not be shut down even through the greatness of the persecution which they had to go through. Man, we could look and see that again all through the book of Acts, the gospel continued to be declared. The persecution followed them. And yes, that even happens today. But you and I, we have to be like those disciples when they stood there and declared even to the rulers. We need to obey God rather than man. We need to be willing to step up to the truth of the hope of the gospel and not be dissuaded, distracted, or detoured by anything that the enemy would bring to us for the glory of Christ, for the honor of his name. My prayer, my hope is this morning, is that your life has been changed, not just on the outside, 
but that in reality, the inside has truly been what the Word speaks about, converted, changed, surrendered, given over to the reality and the truth of the hope that's found in Christ. We're so glad you could be with us today as we opened God's Word and dove into the goodness and truth the Bible contains. If you've missed any part of today's message in Acts, we encourage you to refer to our website, calvarycg.org. Once there, you can browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of the Open Word. We'd love to hear from you about how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If you prefer accessing information through social media, visit our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word. Just go to theopenword.com. You'll be directed right to our page. You'll be able to explore more of Pastor David's audio there as well. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Hey, thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into the Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again. Or simply let your Bible fall open. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. And I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word. Make a small-